Welcome to the Pirate's Eye Podcast, produced by the Seton Hall Alumni Engagement and Philanthropy Department. I'm your host, Bianca Velez, Class of 2010 alumna and Director of Alumni Communication and Digital Engagement here at Seton Hall. Each month, I'll be sitting down with an alumnus to talk about their career, their life journey, and the role that Seton Hall has played in getting them where they are today, or continues to play. Welcome to the second episode. Today we're speaking with Tyreek Calloway, a 2010 graduate, who used adversity as a way to tap into his creativity in an effort to inspire others to do the same. His focus on positively affecting as many lives as possible ultimately led him to not accept no for an answer when he applied to speak at TEDx Cape May. Here's our interview with Tyreek. Tyreek, thank you so much for joining us on the Pirate's Eye podcast. So we're chatting during a difficult time as we all deal with the COVID-19 crisis and our stay-at-home orders. But nonetheless, I'm super excited to connect with you and to dive into your story. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So you are an educator, you're an author, uh, you're a TEDx speaker, and we're going to get into all of that. But first, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up and how did you end up at Seton Hall? Okay, well, I'm from Atlantic City, New Jersey, um, slash Pleasantville, New Jersey. I always say that because I moved from Atlantic City to Pleasantville um, my eighth grade. Um, up North Jersey, a lot of people don't really know what Pleasantville is. Um, it's a town that's next to Atlantic City, New Jersey. So when I was up here, when I came up here, I told everybody, oh, I'm from Atlantic City. I live in Atlantic City, et cetera, et cetera, because they wouldn't know what Pleasantville is. Anyways, um, Born and raised in Atlantic City, went to Atlantic City High School, transferred to Pleasantville High School, my eighth grade, um, graduated from there, and then I went over to Seton Hall in 2006. 2006, I started in the EOF program, um, and then I graduated from Seton Hall in 2010. Um, I was there with you. We met maybe freshman, sophomore year, but it was, it was a great experience there, and um, starting there, I, was, I didn't really feel so welcome because I didn't see many people like me. It was a blessing to be in the EOF program because I saw people like me, they talked like me, they sound like me, everybody was kind of cool. And then when I ventured off, I met people like you who were like me and things like that, which was great. So I had a, an amazing experience at Seton Hall from 2006 until 2010. And I graduated, I finished in 2010. And, but I didn't walk with my class. So that was heartbreaking um, because I saw uh, all of my classmates who I came in with graduating. But then I finished, uh, I graduated with the class of 2011. But I finished in 2010, so I still finished with my class. So I was right. That. So you're still a class of 2010 alum for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's, it's such an important point that you make, right? finding community within Seton Hall is incredibly important. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to hear that you did find that even though at first you didn't quite feel that just in your starting days. Absolutely. So I want to fast forward a little bit. I won't count how many years because 
I'm in there with you. But I want to fast forward a little bit to one of your most recent accomplishments that caused your name to pop up once again all over Seton Hall's radar. And it personally flooded my social media feeds. And that was your TEDx talk. So uh, let's dive into that a little bit more. How did that come to be? So um, it's it's kind of a funny story. So my wife, my girlfriend, I met at Seton Hall, and she's now my wife and everything like that. She would um, watch these TED Talks and everything on YouTube and things like that. And I would, I first started off like, what are you watching? <laughs> so fast forward to me actually um, stepping into my creative um, part of my life and just wanting to write and things like that. I um, said, oh, I want to do one. So um, I started doing my research about it and looking into it. And I saw that they do, um, they organize these TEDx talks in different cities and stuff like that. And I saw, I stumbled across one in Cape May, which is in South Jersey. So I said, oh, this would be a perfect opportunity for me to go home to South Jersey and to present um, a TED talk. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do it. So um, I Googled the, the organizer around there um, through LinkedIn. I stumbled across, uh, his name was uh, Norris Clark, great guy. Um, I emailed him or I messaged him on LinkedIn and um, told him I'm interested, et cetera, et cetera. So he emailed me afterwards and said, oh, um, send me something or whatnot. So make a long story short, um, I, I created something, I sent it to him and he said, uh, well, actually I didn't create anything yet. I just told him, oh, I had an idea. I wanted to do something, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, oh, maybe next time, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, what? What you mean? No. <laughs> so, um, I said, and, um, he got back to me and said, okay, well, create something. Um, I'm gonna give you two to three weeks to create something. And when you create it, um, I'll have you present it to the creative team. So I scrambled around and I put something together within two to three weeks. I presented it to the creative team and they loved my presentation. So I was like, wow. And then they accepted me. So that's basically how I, how I came to actually being accepted into doing the TEDx talk. Um, the day of the actual talk, or actually forget the day of, the preparation to doing it was um, like I would get off work, I would prepare, I would be in the car going to work, reciting it to myself, um, coming back from work, reciting it to myself. I came home, reciting it to myself. I went to church, reciting it to myself, just clearing my mind and just preparing myself completely so that I can um, deliver a, uh, an impactful speech. So that's how I ultimately came to it. So I was told no, and I was just like, okay, no, it was something that didn't sit well with me. And I said, no, I want to do this. Like, I'm going to do this. And I just showed resilience, as many people would say. And I said, hey, listen, regardless of him telling me no, I'm going to show him why he should say yeah. So that's I think what that is my favorite part of this story is it's it's so amazing to hear you recall the experience because you really just have a way of almost simplifying it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from the outside perspective, to do a TEDx talk is a pretty big deal. And your approach was very 
simplified, or at least your recounting of the approach was so simplified. Yes. And even to the point that they say no to you and you simply don't accept it. Yes, yes. You're yes, just yes. like, no, I'm not going to take no. Yeah. And you persist and you move forward to the point that you actually get accepted and then deliver the speech. I really just love that approach. And when you look back at it, how did you not let self-doubt get in the way? Confidence. Um, I'm confident in my creativity and the things that I have to say. Um, I know I have a voice. We all have voices, but it's a matter of using them in the right way. Um, hence my um, TEDx talk. You know, I wanted to express myself and not just express myself for whatever reason, because we all express ourselves, but I wanted to not have a voice. I wanted to share it with the world. And so it was more so just me being confident in uh, my creativity and what I want to say and how I want to deliver it to the masses. Can you share a little bit of what the content of that TEDx talk was? So it was innovation. I think the um, so when they when they first when I reached out to Mr. Clark, um, the organizer, they kind of uh, said that it was this innovation piece. So I was kind of um, like, oh, what should I talk about? And it just brought me back to uh, I said, well, let me share my life story. And in it, I didn't just want to share my life story because everybody has that story that they can talk about. But I wanted to um, inspire people to care for others despite where they are in their lives and caring for others regardless of where other people are in their lives. So caring for the homeless, you know, caring for people with disabilities, caring for people who are not in the position that you are in and being grateful for what you, where, what you have enough to be able to create something for the people that are less fortunate. And that's basically what, what the essential message was in my content and my speech. It feels like the perfect time to listen to content like that right now with what's going on, how impactful it is for people to listen to things about caring for one another with with the crisis that we're dealing with with COVID-19. It seems like a lot of that is is just being ramped up, this Mm -hmm. feeling of gratitude um, for those that that have homes and um, steady jobs and things like that. And this extending a hand to those who who may need a little extra support at this time. Absolutely. So it's amazing that your your talk just really for right now, I know that it wasn't done within this crisis, but just has such a prominent placement right now in terms of what people may need to hear. Absolutely. And that's why I'm trying to get it to get this uh, TED talk out even more. Like, I think I got about 10,000 views, which is awesome, but I want to get it out to even more people because it's important, like you said, like with everything that's going on right now, it's important to, obviously we're doing this social distancing thing and everything, so this is the perfect opportunity to look at the talk and to be inspired, honestly, to use this time to create something innovative for people and for yourself, you know? Absolutely. Now, that wasn't the first creation that you made and it wasn't the first thing that you um, put in that effort and that dedication to, you also authored a book, yes. A Diamond in God's Dirt. Do I have that correct? Yes, that's my first book in which and you guys featured me. So again, that was my life story. And I, I'm a creative person who likes to express myself, um, express my life and 
uh, talk about my life and inspire people through my life story. Um, and I think that's very important for people to do to inspire um, because there are so many people in the world who need that inspiration, who need to be motivated to do something. Um, so I was, so when did I release my book? In 2013. Um, and shout out to C Hall again. You guys featured me um, as a featured author at that time. Um, but when I finished grad school, um, I was in between jobs and everything like that. Um, Hurricane Sandy hit and I was working for Hurricane Sandy Relief. Um, and, but it was, a, it was a grant through the state and it ended. And I was trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next. So uh, I was in between um, interviews, interviewing here, interviewing there. Make a long story short, I got a position, I got an offer uh, at a position in New York. And it was a great, it was a good paying job, better than what I had and everything like that. And I got the job, so I was excited. Week before I was uh, gonna take the job, well, I took the job already a week before I started, I tore my Achilles, pop. Couldn't do anything. I was devastated, couldn't take the job. So um, for about like, I'll say like a week or two, I was miserable, crying. <laughs> yeah. I was just, you know, over my, I was just over myself. I was just like, why, why me? And after like a week or two, I just kind of reflected on my life and was like, okay. Kind of like where we are right now. Where you have nothing else but just sit in your house and just kind of figure out what it is you're going to do. Right. And I was like, okay. I always said to myself that I was going to write my story. And that was the perfect opportunity for me to do so. Um, and I really started tapping into my creativity and expressing myself to inspire others. And I sat there for about, I say, three months, two, three months, and I wrote my entire story. Um, yeah, and that's what ultimately brought me to my first uh, body of work, A Diamond in God's Dirt. And the message is define your past for a prosperous future, not allowing your past to define you, but using those past experiences to make you a better person today. That's amazing. How did you feel when that was completely finalized and came to fruition and you were able to read your own book or have other people read your book? Um, I was I was extremely proud of myself because I I not like that was my like the book it was a long book, so uh, a considerably long book. But I had to take a lot out, you know, in the editing process. You had to take a lot out. But I was I was extremely proud of myself, and um, I just wanted to get it out to people. I was. Although I was a, a proud of myself, I wanted to just get it out and get, get it in front of a lot of more, a lot more people so that they can read it and so that they can be inspired. Because I, I'm, to, I'm at the understanding of my life where I know like the things that I do, my creativity is not about me. And I knew that then, you know, I don't want to get caught up in, oh, you know, I got this great body of work, you know, and just happy. Like, it's not about me. It's about other people. And that's why I write, that's why I create, this is why I do TED Talks and do different things like that. I wanna inspire other people because I know there are other people, even though I want to be at a different place in my life now, you know, I'm grateful for where I'm at. And I know there are people that would die to be where I'm at, you know? So I do it for those people. I inspire, I wanna inspire those people to continue to keep going regardless of where they are in their lives. I love that. And that's not your only book. Do I have that correct? Yes, ma'am. 
<laughs> so what what tell me a little bit about that. What's the other one or how many other ones are there? So What's this career of, of you as an author looking like? Man, ultimately I, I'm trying to be a bestseller. And I want to be a bestseller so that I can continue to inspire the masses. When you're a bestseller, you get a different platform. Back to my um, previous point is I want to um, inspire other people. And when I get a platform like New York Times bestseller, people see me and I'm able to spread my message to more people. Um, with my newest book, it's, um, it's entitled Shine Through Our Shade and Evolution of Self-Love. Um, it's a poetry book, a collection of poetry and prose. Um, I've always written since I was a child, and I would just always express myself, whether it was the smallest, kiddiest thing, whatever it was. I just wanted to express myself in any way. Um, as men, they say we don't express ourselves. I cry. <laughs> I do whatever it is to let my emotions out because a lot of us, we hold our feelings in and then we explode and do something crazy. Um, since I was younger, I would always express myself and I would, I created this body of work, Shine Through Our Shade, just expressing myself, talking about um, the many issues in the world, the many issues with um, young black men and the struggles that we have to endure and um, not even just for men, but for women as well, just to be um, comfortable in your own skin enough to go after your goals and shine through the shade of life and the struggles and the different things that we're going through in life to just keep going no matter how other people perceive you, how the world perceives you. You um, are the star. You are the, the, uh, the, the star that wants to shine through whatever it is that tries to take you away from where you're trying to go at in life. I love that. And you know what? I want to circle back a little bit. You've had so many amazing accomplishments since your time at Seton Hall. What of your Seton Hall experience do you think played a role in, in shaping your professional career um, and these creative aspirations that you've gone after? Um, I think community. I really do. I really do believe community. Um, the friends that I stumbled across, they're, they're going to be with me for a lifetime. <laughs> like, you know, and They've helped shape me in so many ways that goes beyond words. But I know, like, I was wild. Like, <laughs> I think you know that. <laughs> but I was wild coming up in Seton Hall and um, having um, friends like the ones that I had and that I still have today, they've helped me to see things from a different lens. And um, they helped shape me to the person that I am today. Um, I wouldn't have made it through Seton Hall if I didn't have that strong foundation from my friends. And I'm truly indebted to them forever, um, just helping to shape me into the man that I am today. So community, I would say, definitely yeah. community. And um, because when I started at Seton Hall, I just, I just wanted to get away from my neighborhood. Like, you know, I got accepted um, into Seton Hall and I was just like, okay, you know, when I was finished high school, I said, you know, I just want to do something. I don't want to stay here. If I stay here, I'm going to wind up being a product of my environment and doing something crazy. So I went out to Seton Hall. And even when I went to Seton Hall, um, I just stayed away from everybody. I stayed away from everybody. I was kind of like solo, like my first couple of months. 
And even when we started in the fall semester, I was coming home every weekend. I don't, I don't even know where I was getting the money from. I was, coming, <laughs> I was coming home every weekend, literally catching the bus, coming home every weekend. And then I said, okay, let me stay here and just literally start, uh, you know, um, experiencing the campus more. And that's when I started, you know, building more relationships and friendships throughout the university. And again, I got friends that is going to last a lifetime because I was able to um, venture off into the university and things like that. And look at the relationship that we have now, me and yeah. you, v, you know, it's it's kind of crazy how things evolved and how we all went on our own paths and then we coming back like that. And it's, exactly. it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the community at Seton Hall, it's something that is echoed continuously across generations. You know, I speak to a ton of different alumni and so, so many of them, when they talk about their Seton Hall experience, that top piece is the sense of community that they found whether it was within like a niche community EO, eop or in, in my case adelante was a big piece of my yes. community yes. so there's just these little pockets um that they all make up the seton hall community and like i said cross generations you can see that sense of community be one of the top things that people yeah, talk absolutely about. Mm -hmm. um, so that's amazing to hear that that's that's the same for you as well and you're right the way paths cross it's like we have this common shared experience that'll just kind of keep bringing us all back to one another yes absolutely absolutely and with that said we have an entire generation of Seton Hall pirates that's coming down the pipeline and as someone that's been through it what advice do you have to students that are that are currently attending Seton Hall? And, and especially, you know, we are thinking so much about our seniors whose spring semester has truly been yeah. just sidetracked. Yeah. Um, and, you know, something that you can relate to in a way because you, you talked about not being able to walk um, for graduation mm -hmm. and their graduation has has been reshaped for right now. So what are some what are some tips, what are some advices that you can share with the students of Seton Hall of today? Um so for students that are like coming in, I would just say, I would just say stay open minded. Um don't be closed minded. Just going back to our previous point as far as like community, venture off and experience the campus and meet new people. Um, as far as like everything that's going on with the coronavirus and the students who aren't able to experience the campus right now, just continue to stay inspired um, in this difficult time. Like we're at home and I think I was speaking to you about that before we're at home and it's easy to just stay asleep. <laughs> it's easy to stay asleep and everything, but keep your goals in mind. Um, we all have goals, regardless if we sit at home or not. There, there are places that we want to go. A, a lot of places, a lot of people want to go and vacation in different places and do different things. But you gotta, you gotta stay inspired, regardless of the time that you're in. To um, use this time wisely. Use your time wisely. Continue to um, self-motivate. You know, you have to, regardless of anybody else motivating and encouraging you, you have to be self-motivated yourself to be able to do the things that you need to do and that you want to do. So stay self-motivated. Turn Netflix off. 
<laughs> Turn Netflix off and, and, you know, just focus in on the things that you're trying to do. Use this moment to um, use this as a stepping stone to, to your ultimate greatness and where you set out to go in this lifetime. Absolutely. All right, Tyreek, where can our listeners learn more about you or contact you? Um, I have two websites. Um, my first website is Tariq, T-I-R-I-Q. Callaway.com. Um, that's where you can find all of my content from my first book and now my newest book. Um, and I have uh, my trailer on there as well for my first book and my second book as well. Um, in addition to that, you can follow me on social media, um, Facebook, Tariq R. Calloway, and my Instagram is poetic underscore underscore prowess. That is my poetry page. Um, follow me there and, you know, I have different posts that I try, I try to stay up with social media. Honestly, I don't really like social media like that, <laughs> but I know, seriously, I, I know the importance of it and I know that we have to leverage it in the best way to, like I said, with my messaging and the things that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get um, a big platform so I can share my message with the world. So follow me there. Um, feel free to message me or whatever. I always uh, get back to people. So okay. there you have it. Yep. All right. And we'll be sure to add all of that information into our show notes so that listeners can easily find it. Tyreek, it was so good connecting with you, my fellow classmate, and Likewise. hearing your story. Likewise. So thank you so much for taking the time out today. Thank you for having me, V. I appreciate y'all. Thank you, Seton Hall. Thank you. Tyreek is one example of more than 100,000 alumni who exemplify what great minds can do with a Seton Hall education. If you know of a fellow pirate that we should have our eye on, don't hesitate to email us at alumni at shu.edu. Also, make sure you stay up to date with upcoming events and volunteer opportunities by visiting our alumni homepage at www.shu.edu backslash alumni. Share the news of this podcast with your friends and follow at Seton Hall Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Hope you join us for the next episode of the Seton Hall Pirate's Eye podcast. Mm-hmm.